eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let me get to some of your emails. We got a lot of them over the last few days. I've got to decide how I want to go about this because there are a bunch of emails before the comeback. I mean, I got people swearing off the Mets in the Rico Brony emails. So we could do that, or we could do people just complaining about the lineup. Want to go with that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think that you should do it. Do like one or two from, from each. You know, go, go, in, go in chronological order. All right. Start, yeah. Let's go back to the opener of this series. Peter sent this email, and this was – I like looking at the times to see you know, when it was sent. This is at 8.08. So this is an hour into Mets Rays game one of the three-game series Verlander City Field debut. This is Peter. Hi, Evan. Frustrated Mets fan. Watching the game with Verlander pitching, and in particular the third inning where he gave up a three-run home run. Is it at all possible that the Rays have figured out a way to tap into the pitch comp frequencies of the opposing teams so they could be the way they're doing so well? There were so many foul balls and long at-bats in the third inning. It's like they knew what was coming. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. On a side note, couldn't agree more. Daniel Volgoback is a glorified bench player, and they're desperately needing a power threat batting fifth. It's time to bring up Mauricio and Vientos. Well, guess what? You are about to get it. Sean Prestia writes, this was also on Tuesday, and this was at 10-13, so it was right after the game ended. Mets had just lost the game. Since the moment the Braves swept that series last year to end the division chances, the Mets have been a shell of themselves with zero confidence. Pair that with the owner publicly saying this team doesn't have enough and the GM not getting more, I think this team is emotionally beaten down. I also feel fans never fully connected with this group of mercenaries getting overblown paychecks. Look at the 2022 attendance. It didn't reflect a 101-win team, and it felt like the 2019 team had more energy and passion behind it. Do you think that's because of homegrown young talent rather than paying older veterans? I find it very odd. It even feels like the SNY booth cares less about this current group than the 2019 group. We never get a double out of here from Gary. <laughs> double out of here. It's like the double bang from Mike Breen. Bang! Bang! Um, I don't agree with that. While I do think that Scherzer and Verlander don't have a connection to us, and they are clearly mercenaries, 
I look at the position players, and I, I don't see the mercenaries you see. I see a homegrown Pete Alonzo. I see a homegrown Jeff McNeil. Obviously, I now see a homegrown Brett Beatty. I now see a homegrown Francisco Alvarez. I see a homegrown Brandon Nimmo. Obviously, Lindor is a hired gun, but I think Lindor has is, is moved past that. There's a point when you go from hired gun to becoming a member of the team, and people forget that. Mike Piazza went through that. I mean, Mike Piazza is beloved by Met fans. There's a club named after him at City Field. Was he not a hired gun? But eventually, you go from hired gun to just a part of the fabric of the team. I think for Lindor, after a bad rookie season, uh, rookie season, a bad first year with the Mets, followed up by what was a really good year last year, I think he's past that. I don't think Mets fans are no, are looking to boo Francisco Lindor. And oh, by the way, speaking of Lindor, I love to do this every once in a while. And, and it was reminded because, to his credit, and he's always said this, Joe B, my former partner, my, my always partner, he'll always be my partner. But he was filling in for BT the other day with Tiki. And he reiterated something he absolutely said. He said it to me. Uh, we weren't doing the show together at the time, but we spoke on the phone. He did not like the Lindor trade. Did not like it. From the beginning, said, bro, I love Jimenez. What are we doing here? Rosario's okay. Bottom line is he didn't like the trade. Andres Jimenez, who had a tremendous year last year, caused some Met fans, Joe included, to say, see, as good as Lindor is, wouldn't we have been better off with Andres Jimenez? Anybody want an Andres Jimenez update? Because I would love to supply it for you. While last year he was amazing, actually finished sixth in the MVP voting, had an 837 OPS, just a great year. I mean, no, amazing year. Uh, different than Lindor, different, different kind of players, but great. This season, at age 24, Andres Jimenez is hitting 238. He has an OPS of 678. He has three home runs and nine RBIs. He's 24 years old. I'm not burying the guy. I'm not telling you, see, now the trade is great. It's just it shows you that these trades and kind of viewing how it's gone, they go up and down. And Ahmed Rosario's numbers are not much better. So at least for this season, last year's different. I acknowledge that. But for this season, it's not as if Jimenez is an all-star again. He's not. So I just want to point that out in case you forgot. And can I point something out too? Because there is so much criticism of Francisco Lindor constantly. And I know I said, I think I've said this multiple times here. A, he seems like he's really a slow starter every season now. Like that, that just is what he is. Last year, the same thing. He started off slow. At the end of the year, his numbers are going to be there. And I think that a lot of people are critical of him because A, he's making a ton of money. B, we traded for him, like you said. See, he hasn't gotten Jeff McNeil's car yet. So all that combined <laughs> is like we hate Francisco Lindor. I don't hate Francisco Lindor. I think what we have to understand is that I don't think he'll ever be a $300 million player. I think we just have to accept that. He's a very good baseball player. He's very good defensively, despite some recent issues. He drives in a lot of runs. I mean, he's on pace right now to drive in despite his average being way down and his OPS being way down and all that and his strikeouts being way up. He's on pace to drive in 120 runs. He has had a knack for the big hit. He's been pretty clutch. That three-run hit over the weekend in Washington basically won the Mets a game. So I think if you hold him to the bar of being 
you know, an elite, elite, $300 million, one of the best players in baseball level, you'll be disappointed. I don't think he's that, but he's a very good baseball player and he's very important to this team. And I don't get the impression, you know, at City Field, the way the crowd reacts to certain guys. I think we're past it with him. I don't think he has that negative sense. I think he's he's a Met. He's a Met. I don't think he comes across anymore as a mercenary. He's been here three years now. He's going to be here a lot longer. So I, I just disagree with the overall take that the fans haven't gotten behind them. I think the attendance last year is a little bit more complicated. I think that you are still starting to see people feel comfortable going to games. It's kind of like this slow, okay, we're back kind of thing. Plus, teams don't do well attendance-wise until the year after. It's usually not as they're having success. All right, let me jump 10 emails up. This is actually a really good email because this guy proved me wrong, and I like that. I don't know what his name is. Did he sign it? Oh, yeah, Tony. Politely disagree. Pete Alonzo's clutch. (laughs) Hey, Evan, long time, first time. Love the show, Rico. I'm writing because I wanted to challenge you on the idea that Alonzo hasn't been clutch this year. Most of his home runs have been pretty important. I was going to call on the show today. I didn't get a chance. Anyway, Pete is at 14 home runs prior to yesterday's walk-off. He hit only one home run with a lead of more than two runs, a ninth-inning solo shot on April 7th against the Marlins. He's hit only two other home runs when the Mets had any lead at all. He had a two-run shot when they had a one nothing lead versus the Marlins and another two-run home run, this time versus the Giants, when they had a 2-0 lead. He hit a three, he's hit three go-ahead home runs when they were tied, April 4th versus the Brewers, April 12th versus the Padres, April 21st versus the Giants. The other eight home runs prior to yesterday's walk-off have been when they were behind. Three of those tied the game at the time. So that means eight of 14 home runs either tied the game, gave them the lead, or extended a lead of no more than two runs. By the way, great job. Because all I said the other day on the drive home was, I'm glad Pete hit that home run. I was ready to do a deep dive into how he hasn't gotten big hits, right? I would have then done the deep dive and said, you know, fellas, I've been dead wrong about Pete. (laughs) So Tony saved me the time. He saved me a lot of time. I think that's what I said when I was doing the drive home. I said I was about to do the deep dive two o'clock in the morning with my kids sleeping. Tony saved me a lot of time. And his point is obviously it's great that Pete Alonzo's home runs this year and talk about pace. He's on pace at over 50. Uh, He's had a weird season, though. He has because he's had this extended slump in May. Uh, Now it comes out he wasn't feeling well. He had a huge double play on Wednesday that we were all going to kill him for before he hit the big home run. So he's had a good year power-wise. I don't think anybody would say he's had a great season, though. Kind of shows you how numbers can sometimes be deceiving. But good job by Tony. His point is, dude, his home runs have been clutch. His home runs have been powerful and meaningful. And even in the finale of this series, the home run he hit gave them a lead. It turned out not to be the game winner because, remember, they tied it. And then the Mets took the lead on the Tommy Pham infield single. So Pete has hit significant home runs, significant home runs. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, Jimmy Kearney writes, gentlemen, finally something to be positive about. A series win against those damn cheaters. Ah, boy, I started something. Mark Vientos finally getting the call up. Pete's runny nose getting him out of his slump. Senga and McGill pitching well and improving each start. I love it all, but if Buck's showing us a preview of a Beatty Vientos platoon, I'm going to be sick. What is he doing sitting both Alvarez and Vientos after the biggest night of their baseball lives? Vogelback and Pham didn't get the ball out of the infield today, and Pham's RBI single didn't travel 90 feet. It should have been the rare game where Alvarez DHs and you find a spot for Vientos, especially with Marte Hurt. And if not Alvarez, fine. Vientos needs to be the DH. He hit his home run off a righty on Wednesday. As we learned with Ruff, Epler doesn't like to admit mistakes. So as long as Vogelbach is on this team, I think Buck's going to use him. And that's not good for anyone except the local restaurants. Very witty. Very, very witty. I do agree with Jimmy. I'm fearful that we're staring at a Vientos Beatty platoon, and that cannot happen. That cannot happen. Ron Shea writes, I'd normally start an email saying how much I enjoy the pod, but Evan doesn't like that, so let's move on. All right, very good, Ron. I appreciate that. Great series win for the Mets. Pete Alonzo is really the heart and soul of this Mets team. A few points I'd like to make and hear your thoughts on. Do you think the level of competition brings out better play from the Mets? How can the Mets lose to garbage teams but somehow win a competitive series against the Rays? As a professional high school baseball player, I can say we definitely played better against better competition. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if that's a thing. I think sometimes in baseball you're streaky, and the Mets have gone through a stretch in which they have pitched horribly. They've just pitched horribly. I I really do think, Pete, it's more that than anything. Because even with the lineup, the reason why I say it's the pitching, look at the finale against Tampa. They didn't hit. They didn't hit. They scored three runs. Now, three is better than one. Three is better than two. And three is certainly better than zero. But they won the game because they pitched. And that's why I've always been adamant that that's the biggest concern. So I don't necessarily think Tyler McGill gets more up for the Tampa Bay Rays than he gets up for some crappy team. I think baseball is one of those weird sports where just sometimes your hot streak will come against good teams and your cold streak will come against bad teams. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Yesterday, you talked about it yesterday on the, on the drive home, how when Alvarez hit that home run, how he pimped it. And... Kevin Cash and company were probably like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's a regular season game. This really doesn't mean that much right now to, to us. Like, what what is this about? They don't understand the emotions behind what's been going on with the Mets. And I think that kind of is the case a lot of times. I do. I think that a lot of teams will see the Mets right now as a team to beat. A lot of these younger teams, they want to – it's like a litmus test to them. Can we really play well against the New York Mets? And I think that sometimes the Mets don't get up for it. I, I really, I've always felt that way. They play down to their opponent. Maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, they, they obviously didn't play great down the stretch in September, and obviously this stretch of games has been very unimpressive. Uh, moving on with Ron's email, he says, uh, I like Buck, but I don't understand what he's doing. He talks about Vientos not having a position like this is 1991. The DH is not only in the American League and for old baseball players that can't play defense. The DH is a position, and it's a position we are currently sucking at. If he platoons Beatty and Vientos, he's officially senile and too old for the game. Vientos needs to be the DH. Everybody knows it. Um, yeah, it's weird. Buck talked about positions, one, explaining why Vientos wasn't playing. And you're right. He's the DH. I, I view, and I'm not saying Buck's going to do this. I view Mark Vientos as the guy who should be the DH every day now. Let's see what he can do. Lastly, let Pete Hoffman talk. His opinions are ones that need to be heard by the Rico Bronya fans. He's also not driving home after the game and can think clearly. <laughs> it's true. That's a good point. Thank you for the drive home podcast. I could see Evan has road rage. The Whitestone Expressway sucks. And we, the listeners, uh, through enjoy hearing Evan yelling at traffic. Okay. Now, well, there you go. Yeah, you got to talk more, Pete. Come on. Step up your game, bro. What the hell's wrong with you? Hey, listen, this is your podcast. I'm just uh, pressing the record button. Well, there's a lot of just anti-Daniel Vogelback emails. <laughs> it's just... I, oh, can I say something? And, and this is part yeah. of Buck's issue being a little bit of a passive-aggressive or however his approach is with the media and the whole DH stuff. Like, when they went to him, like, well, why not Vientos? Why not DH? Well, Vogelback's good, too. Like, what are you doing here? Like, I, I think that Buck, and I think you might have said this, or somebody else said this in the office today, Vogelback's on his last legs, and maybe Buck's just really trying to give him an opportunity to really sh- prove something. Otherwise, maybe he's on his way out. Yeah, I, Buck made a comment about Guillaume and how difficult the conversation was in telling him he was being sent down. So I think that as a manager, he sees the personal side of things. And that's, that's an important part of the job. It's why as much as we sit here as baseball fans and say, hey, I would do this switch or I would do that switch or I'd have this lineup, I can't manage a baseball team. I can't manage a baseball team because I can't manage the people. I wouldn't be good at it. I'd be the first to tell you. I don't know how I would converse with a major leaguer who's at the back end of their career and explain you're not playing every day anymore. Uh, and I'm, I'm not I'm being serious about that. Like the whole X's and O's, if you will, part. Yeah, we all have opinions on it. And w- some of us may be really smart at it, but that's not that's all to managing. The key to managing that we can't measure is relationships, is handling people. So I don't know if it's that Buck is doing Daniel Vogelback a favor so he can show something on his last leg. But I do think that it's difficult, especially a guy with, let's say, Starling Marte to explain to a proud veteran, hey, you're not playing well anymore. We're not going to play you. What he did to Eduardo Escobar just a few months ago. I think that right now, though, if I had to guess, my explanation for Buck's decisions is he genuinely thinks this gives the team the best chance to win. And we disagree with it because we as Mets fans saw the youth produce in such a huge way that sparked them to victory. Uh, we apologize for not being able to get to all your emails. There's certainly been a lot the last couple of days. We appreciate it. Uh, you can always email the pod to RicoB at gmail.com. There will be no drive home podcast for the weekend series against Cleveland. I apologize. I'm just letting it. Well, first of all, I'm not going Friday. I'm, I, 
I went to back-to-back games, which is a lot for me. And I appreciate my wife being the greatest wife ever that she was okay with that. And it's funny. When I don't go to a game, any game, my wife will feel responsible. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, I can't go to every game. I've got two kids at home. I, I, I just can't. But if the Mets win some kind of game I don't go to, she always looks at me and says, do you feel bad that you didn't go? And most of the time I'll say, no, it happens. Look, I'm going to miss some good games. There are good games I'm going to miss. I missed the combined no-hitter last year that was thrown by the Mets. And she asked me, do you feel bad? And I was like, no, I'm great. This is no big deal. As I left City Field on Wednesday night, pumped up from that victory, I said to my dad who I went with, boy, if my wife asked me, would you be upset if you missed this? If I didn't go to the game, I would have actually said yes. <laughs> this one would have killed me. That would have been a tough one to miss. So now that I got that one, I feel like anything I potentially miss wouldn't be as, I don't know, daunting as missing that one. So I'm not going Friday. I am going Saturday and Sunday if there's a game Saturday, which there won't be, but I'm taking my family. And when I take my family, I can't record a drive home. That would be... uh It'd be an interesting podcast, I'll tell you that. So technically, Evan's season is over because you you were there for the one game that really mattered to you. So you don't actually have to go to any more games. Yeah, I could just call it a day. <laughs> I think the one thing that would really, and it's not going to happen, so I'm not fearful of it, but the one thing that would be very difficult to miss, it's not a no-hitter, it's a perfect game. I think if we ever saw one, and perfect games are so tough to have now because, and I mean like one pitcher perfect game. I want to make that clear. One guy gets 27 outs, and it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Justin Verlander or Carlos Carrasco or Tyler McGill. That is so special. That'd be a tough one to miss. But outside of that, I got the big one, that big comeback. And And I certainly hope that's the game we talk about in the championship DVD that comes out. I don't know if they still do those championship DVDs. It's probably straight to YouTube or something. But if they did, let us hope that game two against Tampa goes into the archives. All right, pitching matchups real quick this weekend, and then we'll call it a day. Hold on, I wrote it down. Um, We got Carlos Carrasco against Cal Quantrill on Friday. We got Max Scherzer against Bybee on Saturday. And then Justin Verlander against Shane Bieber on Sunday. That's a hell of a matchup. But again, Expect there to be a day-night doubleheader on Sunday. The weather looks atrocious on Saturday. And just word to the Mets, just rain the game out. Because we learned last week from the Washington Nationals that you can really F that up. And then after this Cleveland series, three in Chicago, three in Colorado. But we'll have a lot more time to talk about that. Thank you for listening and downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.